Now, as we continue to uh, worship, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. And today we're going to be reflecting on the scripture from John 2, 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, They don't have any more wine. Jesus replied, woman, what does that have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby, there were six stone jars that were used for the Jewish cleansing ritual. Each was able to hold about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now, draw some from them and take it to the head waiter. They did. And the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine. He didn't know where it had come from, although the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the groom and said, Everyone serves the best wine first and brings out the second-rate wine only when the dr- guests have, are drinking freely. You kept the good wine until now. This was the first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. What, what signs do you follow throughout your day? You know, there are all kinds of signs that we follow. Some of them uh, are, are just right there in our face, right? A green light tells us to go. Uh, some signs are, are not quite as obvious. Uh, they, they might be uh, a sign that a friend has given us when they said something. You know, our phones alert us to signs all the time to let us know what's going on in the world. And we live in that world where a hashtag can cause a movement or a picture of something can really change people's opinions. But take for a moment the last time you actually followed a sign? Was it maybe from a uh, trusted spiritual advisor who said something into your life and you began to follow that? You know, this Lent all through the season, we're going to be looking at the signs found in John's gospel. And these signs point us to put our trust in the genuine nature of Jesus. John is one of the four gospels, yet it stands alone. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they draw on uh, a piece of the same content to tell the story, but John's very different. You're not gonna find parables 
You're not gonna find a lengthy sermon like you do in Matthew and Luke, and you're not gonna find brief little sayings and teachings like we do in Mark. John, in a real sense, is the odd one out. Miracles in this gospel are referred to as signs. Now, there's a subtlety here because the, the miracles in this gospel always point to something deeper. It's not just an act of mercy. Uh, the, the scripture that Mike read for us today, uh, we have the very first sign, the, the turning the water into wine. And this is Jesus's first miracle. Jesus and his, and his followers have been inviting, invited to a wedding. And, and of course, Mary is there, and Mary has a connection with this family, although the scripture doesn't really go into detail as what it was, but we can assume that it had to have been pretty significant for her to get involved the way that she did. She comes to Jesus and she says to him, they don't have any wine. And Jesus replied, woman, what does that have to do with me? My time has not yet come. Really, Jesus looks at his mother and says, woman? (laughs) Uh, You know, when I was being uh, appointed to uh, another church to be their associate, uh, it wasn't uh, this one when I came here. I'll clarify that a little bit. Uh, Tracy and I were able to have lunch with who would be our new senior pastor and his wife, and we were we were sitting around the table and uh, the pastor says to his wife, woman, get me some iced tea. She must, Tracy must have bristled a little bit because he then said to Tracy, woman, do you have a problem with that? He said it in a joking manner, of course. <laughs> Tracy <laughs> looked at him and said, you have two choices. You can call me Tracy or you can call me Dr. Mercer. (laughs) But don't ever call me woman. (laughs) Now, Jesus was not being all that disrespectful to his mom. This was a common word that was used in their day. Now, it would have been a little bit odd for, for him to use it while referring to his mom. The really odd part was the statement that followed, my time hasn't come yet. Now, the word time here is also translated in in many translation as hour. And this word's referring to, it could refer to a set time. Uh, It could also refer to a period of time, but it also can refer to an appointed time. Now, this is what John is getting at. The word time or hour is found in several places in the gospel referring to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Essentially, Jesus was saying, hey, I am not working on your timetable. But, you know, Mary doesn't seem bothered by that at all, does she? Uh, Mary responds to Jesus, uh, 
Well, his mother told the servants, they didn't even respond to Jesus, do whatever he tells you. Now, some of our churches uh, make Mary, Jesus' mother, almost perfect. Like she is more than human, which isn't the main focus. And then there are other churches that have kind of the, the reverse of that, and, and they minimize her and don't even talk about her at all, which also doesn't help us gain a better understanding of who Jesus is. Mary is just as significant as Peter and Paul in looking at how we relate to Jesus. Mary's simple advice to the servants, do whatever he tells you, is a thread that goes all throughout Mary's life in the Gospels, even when she was treated harshly, even though she was an unwed mother and was at risk for severe punishment, even though she didn't get to choose her own baby's name, even though she had to escape danger and go to her cousin's house. Mary's message was always clear. Do whatever he tells you. Placing our trust in who Jesus is calls us to walk in his footsteps. Trust isn't just a part of our spiritual journey with Jesus. There have been recent studies that, that have shown that, that trust is a building block for our emotional health. When we trust, we create space for ourselves and for others, making it easier to be who we really are and build genuine connections with other people. This gives us a sense of safety and openness, not just in our personal relationships, but also in a wider community like our church. Trust holds us together, allowing for us to have deeper cooperation in a very supportive environment. So when we decide to trust in the way of Jesus, we're not only committing to embody him, showing love, kindness, and compassion, but we're also fostering our own well-being and health. Trust leads us to a stronger, more connected life where we can truly thrive together. A big part of trust is taking those steps to do what Jesus tells us to do. As Mary said in the scripture, do whatever he tells you. Now for us to bridge that gap between where we are right now and where God knows that we can be and put our trust in Jesus, we need to commit ourselves to him.
Now I wanna talk for just a second and clarify what I mean when I say bridge the gap. I'm not saying that, that God will love you more if you do good things. God loves you as you are with God's whole self right now. Our, our bridging the gap is a response to that love and that grace. Bridging the gap is not a way to earn that love. Obedience, well, the first sign points us to pursue growth through obedience. Now, obedience is not a word that we gravitate toward in our American culture, is it? Uh, you know, the other day, I kind of found myself as I was putting this sermon together, and, and I recalled that, that I kind of talk bad about the American culture quite a bit. And, and I kind of want to explain that for a little bit. I do that because we're Americans, and part of us exploring on how God would want us to live is to take a good look at our culture. Now, some people might think, well, he never points out how the Europeans or the Latin community gets it wrong. Yeah, that's true, and that's because we don't live there. Our culture has a strong individualistic bent. Obedience is a word that often repels us. You know, you know what I'm talking about. No one's gonna tell me what to do. We all have that friend within our circles that, that does uh, the opposite of what we would like for them to do all the time because they're just not gonna do what other people tell them to do. Committing to trust in Jesus means being open to growth even in some unexpected ways. Jesus' response to his mother's request, despite believing that his time had not yet come, shows a willingness for even Jesus to be obedient. Similarly, we were called to be an open to learning, adapting, guided by obedience as we walk in the footsteps of Jesus. There is a strong connection in the New Testament writings between love and obedience. It's kind of woven in deeply with our relationship with God. Uh, we see this connection pretty vividly in John 14, 15, where Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you do what I say for you to do, that shows that you love me. This is a profound truth that our willingness to follow Jesus is in direct relationship with how much we love him. Our next sign that I want us to look at is that we need to invest in our community. Uh, the, the nature of Jesus is to be in community. 
he had a group of people that he traveled with and prayed with and ate with and laughed with and cried with. You know, there's a, a project that looked at 38 different studies and it's uncovered uh, a thread that is throughout scriptures that having friends, especially those that are deep, high-quality relationships, provide us with support and companionship, and it plays such a significant role in our well-being. Friendships and community are not just nice things to have. They're essential. We're not created to live life on our own. Mary was concerned about the wedding being a success. She was just as concerned as the host. And I think that that points to a real unique thing within that community. She took on that wedding as if it were her own. And we as a church community, we as people who, who want to embody the way of Jesus, we can do that too for each other. We, we have a great opportunity here to be a place where people can come and be known and be welcomed and have people that will be on their side. Uh, there are so many signs that we could point to within this first miracle, but the last one I'm going to lift up is that we need to embrace the unimaginable. Trusting in Jesus invites us to step beyond our boundaries of what we think is possible. Now, I'm going to confess to you, I'm preaching to myself with this one. Tracy has to tell me often, you know, you need to trust God a little bit. You need to stop worrying about how to figure it all out and know that God is with us. Mary tells the servants, do whatever he asks. And, and then Jesus turns to them and says, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. Can you imagine what was going on in the servants' uh, little quarters at, at this point? Uh, I, I would think that they probably thought they were going on a fool's errand. You know, uh, take these jars that we use for the purification ritual and, and fill them to the brim with water. Now, to be fair, servants in that day and time didn't have a lot of opportunity to think for themselves, and so they were probably quite used to going on a fool's errand. And Jesus made the impossible possible. Can you imagine what that conversation would have looked like if it was to happen today. 
uh, let's say that the catering staff has gotten together and they're out of line for this wedding reception and one of the guests says to them, hey, there were these coolers back in the kitchen that we had that we were cleaning some stuff with. Go fill them to the rim with water and bring them here. Uh, in this day at a time, you'd have servers go, yeah, I'm out, I'm leaving. <laughs> this thing is over. <laughs> Placing our trust in who Jesus is calls us to devote ourselves, to commit ourselves to walking in Jesus' footsteps. In Jesus' time, weddings were celebrations. They were much bigger than, than, than just that couple getting married. It was a union of families. It was a coming together of a household. Weddings provided the opportunity for a family to add value to the family business. Weddings could make or break the status in a family. In some extreme cases, a bad wedding could be the end of a family name. This miracle of turning water into wine was much more than a friendly gesture of Jesus at someone's wedding. The miracle literally saved them from public and social humiliation. John 2, 9 through 11, the head waiter called the groom and said, everyone serves good wine first. They bring out the second-rate wine only when the guests are drinking freely. And you kept the good wine until now. This was the first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. The wine was at the center of the celebration. In those days, wine and food wouldn't have been served the same to all the people at the wedding. The most important people would have got the best wine and the best food. And the least important people would have gotten the so-so the, the stuff, or even the leftovers. This is more than just a miracle here in John. This is a sign that Jesus is for everyone, that everyone has a part to play. Jesus embraced this humble couple in this obscure village and did this wonderful miracle to say to everyone that everyone deserves the best wine. Do you put your trust in Jesus? Beginning this Lent, I want you to begin to ask that question. Where, where do I put my trust? Do I put it in my family? Do I put it in my education, my job, my career? Do I put it in Jesus? I want to invite you 
to put your trust in Jesus. And if that's something you've never done, uh, we would love here at Asbury to talk with you about that and, and help walk alongside you with that. Uh, I'll be down here uh, at the end of our service for, for a bit. And if you want to just pray or, or have a conversation, we would love to be that for you. When we place our trust in Jesus, we devote ourselves to embodying the way he lives. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for bringing us here. Oh God, help us to put our trust in you so that we can commit ourselves to walking in your footsteps. In Jesus' name, amen.